Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. And this is part two of three parts. I've decided. Yeah. You got chocolate on your chin. <laughs> <laughs> Does he save it for the after show? Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is part two of Hollywood Fixers. Yeah, we're waiting. <laughs> you know what? I was very happy that there were lots of happy listeners. Yeah. Because this is a juicy story. They should be happy. Um, so my main source for this book is The Fixers by E.J. Fleming and I also use some old newspaper articles as well which I will mention when we get there let's let's get started as we discussed in last week's episode Eddie Mannix was not a faithful man Mm. he had several girls on the side one of whom was actress Mary Nolan. Okay. Now, Mary Nolan had a really wild life. We got to do an episode on her. Okay. Because she had all, all sorts of like weird legal problems in her later life. Okay. Um, so his affair with Mary Nolan went on for four years between 1927 and 1931. In 1935, Nolan sued Mannix for $500,000 claiming physical abuse. Whoa. Now, during the course of their relationship, she underwent 15 abdominal surgeries (gasps) as the result of his abuse. Holy shit. Yeah, he was a bad man. A July 1935 issue of the LA Times reported that the suit charged Mannix with beating her as well as using his influence in Hollywood to prevent her from getting work. Yeah. Now, mind you, this, this scandal, I guess, if you want to call it that, at for at the time, yeah. It, I mean, this was like barely a blip, but that's crazy that, yeah. This guy just continued to work in Hollywood for like twenty more years. He got he fixed himself. He fixed himself, and the studio fixed him. Yeah. So this is in the paper that she's suing him for this horrific physical abuse, um, as well as using his influence to cover it up and prevent her from getting work afterwards. Right. The suit claimed that one night in 1931, Nolan woke to Mannix beating her in her bed. She was then taken to a hospital while she was unconscious. And then that same night, she had emergency surgery. While in her hospital bed, Mannix then beat her up again. Oh, my God. Causing her to undergo several more surgeries. These instances were among the several occasions in which Nolan said Mannix beat her. Then, Nolan said, in the spring of 1931, Mannix used his influence to cancel her appearance in a play in Philadelphia. Nolan claimed that Mannix orchestrated a boycott against her and that she had been unable to find work. 
Mannix, of course, denied the claims, and Howard Strickling got to work smearing Mary Nolan. Damn. So because of all of his connections in the press, he was able to, like, plant stories about her. Right. And, like, whether they were true or not, this was a full smear campaign to make her look like an unsympathetic witness. So smearing her and then covering up his stuff yes, at the same ex- time. exactly. So stories were leaked to the press about how she was sexually promiscuous mm-hmm. and how she had had abortions. <gasps> Uh, Mannix had apparently paid for all of these abortions. By this time, Mary Nolan had become addicted to morphine, and so a private detective was sent to her house to threaten her that unless she dropped the suit, she was going to face drug charges. And it's thought that she became addicted to morphine after all those surgeries. Yeah, probably. So this suit... Didn't go anywhere. She dropped the suit, and she ended up leaving Los Angeles and got back on the vaudeville circuit. The remaining years of her life would be filled with legal troubles, alcoholism, and hospital stays before she died of an overdose in 1948. Oh, my God. So it was a very sad, very sad story. By 1935, Mannix was not only a powerful man in Hollywood, but he had forged strong relationships in law enforcement, government, and the underworld. After Billy Wilkerson founded The Hollywood Reporter in 1930, Louis B. Mayer tried to get it shut down. Wilkerson's wife, Edith Gwynn, was the head writer, and she was spilling all kinds of tea in The Hollywood Reporter. And Mayer was like, I can't have this. Yeah. This rag is going to ruin us. Mayer's attempt to shut down The Hollywood Reporter was unsuccessful, and he was like, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. So Howard Strickling would cozy up to Billy Wilkerson, and they became very good friends. Mm. Great relationship to have if you're in publicity. And bad relationship to have if you're supposedly a journalist. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was not like hard-hitting journalism. No. What was it, a year ago when you did your episode on Billy Haynes? Um, It might have been longer than that. It might have been longer than that. Yeah. But we did do an episode about gay actor Billy Haynes. It's really interesting. Does That's he research right. that? He was a known gay man in Hollywood. And MGM needed to ensure that stories about him would be kept under control. Right. Like he was known to be... He was pretty much out. He was pretty much out, but... It wasn't like explicitly said. It wasn't said in the trades. No, they kind of kept it under wraps, but he like lived with a man. Like he had open relationships. Correct. Yeah. So when Haynes was found at a gay brothel with Ramon Navarro or picked up in a vice raid, Mannix and Strickling, they would cover that up. But as we discussed in our Billy Haynes episode, he didn't want to hide his sexuality. Yeah. I mean, this was like very uncommon. In this time. Ramon was more closeted. Yes. Yeah. Other magazines that weren't the Hollywood Reporter, they would regularly, like not so subtly hint right. at his sexual identity by using all sorts of like euphemisms. Yeah. And um, MGM at one point had attempted to force him into a lavender marriage with everyone from Joan Crawford to Barbara Lamar. But Haynes was like, no. Right. I have a boyfriend. I remember being shocked 
by it when I researched the episode. Cause like you said, it was so rare back that back then to be so out like that. Yeah. Yeah. By the 1930s, Billy Haynes's star had fallen and Mayer wanted him gone. Irving Thalberg refused to let Haynes go though. He wanted him at MGM. Um, so Mayer was like, fine, but then he cut his salary in half. Yeah, I think that Billy was really friends with a lot of big actresses. And I betcha Irving's wife, um, what's her name? Norma Talmadge? Yes. I think that she, I betcha she had something to do with that, you know? Because he was down with all the big female stars. Of course. Yeah. And Irving Thalberg was definitely the more reasonable of the two in terms of like Mayer and Thalberg. Oh, you don't hear bad stories about Irving Thalberg. No, everybody liked him a lot, but everyone knew that Louis B. Mayer was a fucking dick. Oh, totally. Lupe Velez, she met Johnny Weissmuller around 1932. At this time, Weissmuller was starring as Tarzan in MGM's film series. Yeah. This is an early Tarzan. I didn't watch Tarzan. I didn't watch Tarzan either. Didn't, was there like reruns of like on Nick at Night of Tarzan? I don't think so. I think that was too old even for <laughs> Nick at Night because it's like Cause, really old. Because didn't they have like a TV series? At Maybe. some point, they it just, sounds fake. I mean, I feel like I've seen some like kind a of black version, and white, yeah, of Tarzan, but I don't know who was in it. I feel like at some point. They just stopped making Tarzan movies. It was too... People were like, we don't give a shit about that topic anymore. <laughs> we don't. We want divorced families. Yeah, we don't care that this kid was raised in the jungle by animals. I just feel like in the 70s, people weren't that into like fantasy or like whatever. I don't know if that's fantasy, but it's kind of... That's not kinda, fantasy. It's, it's like kind of something, adventure. though. Action, adventure, fantasy, like that kind of stuff. It became more realistic, the TV shows. It was like divorced parents getting married, yep. single dads. <laughs> yeah, people addicted to pills. <laughs> Families. We wanted to see real things. Murders. Yeah. Murder, sure. Like slashers. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. I think, but I then know. in the eighties, we're like, we're ready for fantasy again. Yeah, we're doing the never-ending story. We're doing the Dark Crystal. I feel like it goes back and forth. But yeah, no. I guess there was some stuff in the seventies. What was that Everyone, show, Land of the Lost? Yeah, we can't forget Land of the. Well, I thought that was sixties. No, it was seventies. It was seventies, for sure. But that was like H.R. Puffin stuff type. What was that? Okay, we're Sid way Croft. off. Okay, we're okay, way go. off. Okay, Tarzan, Tarzan is its own thing. People were just over Tarzan. It, 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 I think there was a ton of Tarzan. <laughs> I just feel like every generation or every five years they had a new Tarzan. And then finally Hollywood was like enough. Uh, but I think back then with Johnny Weissmuller, there was like, it was like a movie every three months. Yes. Like they were a series. They were like spitting them out. No, this was like the Jason Bourne of its day. Yeah. But even more because it was like, Cheap and fast, like well, yeah. They it was like, um, what's that guy, Jason Statham? Yeah, how he always has like a new action movie. But I think also back then, weren't there like short things before movies, like short films that they would put, yes. like serial kind of things? I think that's what this was. But I was looking at Johnny Weissmuller's or Weissmuller, however you say his name. I was looking at his filmography, and it it was like every year there was a new Tarzan movie. 
He had a good for gig. like eight years. He, he was rolling in it. He was rolling in it, and then, and then like in the late nineties, they tried to trick us. They were like, "Oh wait, we did have the Tarzan Disney movie." And wasn't there one with um, Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser. It was George of the Jungle. Okay, sorry. That's what I mean. They tried to trick us, but we yeah. all know that's Tarzan, right? Well, George how's of the Jungle different? was a cartoon. But how's that different than Tarzan? I don't know. Wasn't there also um, Kid in the City? What? There was some movie with oh. a little... <laughs> jungle to Jungle. Jungle to Jungle. It was Jungle to Jungle starring Martin Short as, as Lily Sobietsky's father. And I forget the kid's name, but he was like in a few things. He was like a little child actor he for was, a bit. He had like a child teen actor. And he was like a... Guy. Amazonian. He was an Amazon. <laughs> he was, except he what? Okay, his mom was a white woman. I think the father was a white man, but because the mom was like a cultural, some kind of anthropologist or oh. archaeologist, she like lived in the Amazonian jungle, and so the kid also lived in the Amazonian jungle. But for some reason, he became feral. Yeah, he was like. A feral. <laughs> It made no sense. It made no fucking sense. And then, like, he gets, he comes to New York City because it's time for him to be a man. This is like his, like, you're a man now. You're turning thirteen. You this got- is you can't <laughs> eat shit. <laughs> they like, they're like, you need to prove your manliness. You're gonna go to New York City, and he gets there. He's completely unsupervised. He's like trying to hail a cab, and he's like running in in between traffic, and like he's like almost getting himself fucking killed. A scene I'll never forget is where he sees cat food on the ground and he starts eating it. This is—he is the worst parent. <laughs> we should recap this movie. Wait, wasn't Tim Allen in it too? Am I? I feel like I never saw this movie, but the ads for it were so everywhere that I feel like I know the movie. Tim Allen was his dad, his bio dad. Oh, Tim Allen was his bio dad, and Martin Short was Lily Sobieski's father, who was absolutely disgusted by this kid. Like, he was disgusted by him. Lily Sobieski. <laughs> loved her. Loved yeah, her. She had a moment. She had such a good moment. She's an yeah. artist now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, where okay. were we? Johnny Weissmuller. We got to recap Jungle to Jungle. That's a great recap. Because <laughs> I'm already obsessed. Dude, it's so, it's so bad. Um, anyway, Johnny Weissmuller, he hooked up with Lupe Velez in 1932. And he's Tarzan, so you know he's buff. Yeah. And he was. He was like a water polo player or something, or a swimmer. That's like back in the day where you were like an athlete, and then you could become a movie star just because you were like so many muscles. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just hot. No, there were like Mickey Hargitay. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, I know all about this relationship and story from Hollywood Babylon. We got to do an episode on Lupe Velez where we debunk the Hollywood Babylon story because she had a wild life in her own right. Right. But yeah, this relationship was very tumultuous. Oh yeah. This was a wild relationship. So this affair, it began passionate, but there was one problem. He was married to Bobby Arnst. Not Bobby Arnst. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I don't know what Bobby Arnst looks like, but Lupe Velez sounds hotter, and she's very attractive. It's for sure a hotter name. It's a way hotter name than Bobby <laughs> and Arnst. I'd be like 
if my husband was cheating with Lupe Velez, I I would be like, shit, it's I'm over. Screwed. It's over. I'm screwed. I can't compete with that. You can't <laughs> compete with Lupe Velez. So Howard Strickling urged Weissmuller to divorce his wife if he's going to date Lupe Velez because he got it. He's like, you can't go back. Come on. You can't come it. back from that. Yeah. So just get divorced from your wife because MGM can't have like an out cheater or like a known cheater. They can't condone that. They can't condone it. No. They <laughs> what is publicly. This? Amy Robach and, <laughs> <laughs> and Billy Campbell. <laughs> with Andrew Shu, her new boyfriend, dude. Um, so by the summer of 1932, the press had announced that Weissmuller and Arnst were breaking up after less than two years of marriage. Howard Strickling paid Bobby Arnst ten thousand dollars for her cooperation in divorcing their star. Wow. Lupe Velez married Johnny Weissmuller the following year in, 19, in October 1933. The marriage between Velez and Weissmuller was a mess. Velez was also a wild woman. She reportedly got into a brawl with fellow wild woman Lillian Tashman in the bathroom at the Monte Marte Cafe in Hollywood. Wow. I want to go there. I do too. That is a serious fight if you can't wait to leave the restaurant and you got to do it in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, you know some little comment happened. It was a comment. <laughs> yeah. They were saying rude shit to each other, and, and that's then, how it started. And then someone fucking lost it and shoved the other one or something. Yeah, Lillian, I don't know exactly what they said. I think Lupe Velez said, like, you're a lesbian because she was. Right. I'm sure, Lu- I'm sure Lillian said some nasty things, mm. and then they just started, like, having a really hot cat fight. Yeah. Yeah, really fucking hot. each other, <laughs> fucking each other up. They were punching each other, and then all of a sudden they started kissing. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to Michelle Vogel's book *Lupe Velez: The Life and Career of Hollywood's Mexican Spitfire*, this is what she said: One time, while Lupe was dining at the Embassy Club, she spotted Lillian Tashman from across the room. Lillian was wearing long white gloves, so Lupe proceeded to wrap napkins around her arms and make fun of her. For all to see. Wow. (laughs) How how did she ever recover from that burn? (laughs) People snickered at Lupe's impromptu show, but Lillian wasn't laughing. On that occasion, both ladies were restrained before a physical altercation could happen. Not at the embassy club. (laughs) But sarcastic, bitchy remarks flew back and forth between Lupe and Lillian for ages. Then came the culmination of years of pent-up frustration, and the feisty pair came to blows on the powder room floor of the Montemarte Cafe in Hollywood. They clawed, punched, and kicked each other, and by all accounts, Lupe won. They scissored. MGM had their hands full with Lupe Velez during the short time she was married to their star, Howard Strickling apparently had to pay off photographers to get rid of hundreds of photographs that had been taken of her where you could clearly see her pussy. I love it. So these are like old school upskirt photos. Have you ever seen the ones of Carmen Miranda? (laughs) (laughs) What? There's like famous pictures of her because she didn't wear underwear when she like has the fruit on her head and someone's like... 
twirling her. And yeah. You know when they like pick them up and spin them and their legs open yes. in the air when they're dancing? Her legs open and you could see her big black bush. No, I think that's what happened to Lupe Velez too because she would like be dancing at parties and like going off. Yeah. She didn't care if her skirt was flying up. Oh, no. They're calm as can be. Lupe and Johnny, they divorced in 1934, just 10 months after uh, of marriage. But that was when showing your pussy meant something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was a big deal it was to a, flash your pu- bush. Yeah. Like, you showed your pussy? It that, was unheard a, of. That is like a top-tier woman. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, everyone shows it. Who gives a we've shit? Seen, we've seen a lot of pussies. Yeah. But that, back then, that, that was, was like, rare. people were, that was like a pearl clutcher. If a woman showed her bush getting out of a car. Yeah. Her pussy wide open. That's an advanced move. It's like unheard of. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally unheard of. Speaking of bush, as for Lillian Tashman, she was among the lesbian and bisexual women that made up Hollywood's sewing circle. She had a years-long on-again, off-again affair with MGM star Greta Garbo. Tashman, a lesbian, was in a lavender marriage with actor Edmund Lowe, who was a gay man. The press often remarked just how perfect their relationship was and how they were the best dressed in Hollywood. Wow. But behind the scenes, Tashman was pegging Garbo. (gasps) I mean, I don't know if literally, but I just assumed Tashman was the top. <laughs> She's she seems like a strap-on girl. I think Tashman was topping Greta Garbo. Well, because that's why she got so mad. <laughs> Lupe. <Yeah. laughs> she had some extra like anger going. She wanted to get on it. Right? Lillian Tashman's also going on the list because this broad fucked a lot know of people. Her. Dude, she I also mean, had a crazy life, and she was, like, very brash. Okay, I love it. And rude. Nice. <laughs> I like bitches who cause trouble. <laughs> she caused a lot of trouble, and Strick- Strickling had to, like, cover for these two women. He would, like, go around to the press. He's like, they're just very close friends. Her and Garbo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's causing a lot of trouble for someone who is not a big star. Garbo. No, Lillian, I mean. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? So during an off period of their relationship, Garbo began seeing French-Canadian actress Fifi Dorsey. When a gossip magazine began reporting on her new best friend, Mayer was pissed. So they're like, he's like, what's, you got a new best lady friend? We all know what that means. Yeah, come on. When you get a new best gal, <laughs> yeah. they're not subtle. So he's really mad. So Eddie Mannix told Greta Garbo that her new girlfriend, Fifi, has gone to the press and is like talking about how you guys are all close. Yeah. Didn't she didn't say like we're lovers, but she was like, Yeah, I'm best friends with she's right. my my best girl. Why why bring it up at all? Yeah. So she Fifi was like strong armed by MGM to retract her statements in the press that she made. Well, that looks even more suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> in a 1930 headline for the Los Angeles Post record, the headline said this Pretty Fifi Dorsey is, quote, an actress or crazy? 
Oh my God. They were really mean to this woman. That's so mean. This was an interview they did, but they retranscribed all of her answers to be like phonetically French. Like they wrote it out like, (gasps) my name is Fifi. Gigi Fifi. Yeah, like, (laughs) I am not friends with Zigrette at Garbo. Oh my God. And they picked like the most deranged picture of her. To be fair, this woman does look really irritating. Just also, like, you can be an actress and crazy. <laughs> why, why choose? <laughs> um, so Fifi had to deny because she was, of course, asked about her best friend Greta Garbo in the paper, and she was like, "No, we've honestly only hung out four times." Yeah, that's embarrassing. Um. Garbo and Dorsey then broke up because Garbo was like, I don't want to date someone who's going to the press about us. No, I do agree. She does sound very irritating. She thought she was like a tryhard. Yeah. Probably. She sounds like a try. I mean, her name's Fifi. It's, it's, that's a tryhard name. Well, she cha- <laughs> yeah, and I think she changed it to Fifi. Yeah. I don't think that's ever anyone's real name. It's like the fucking bird from the uh, Tiki room. The enchanted Tiki Room at Disneyland. Wait, is one of them named the Fifi? Ba- yeah, it's like Fifi, Suzette. <laughs> <laughs> the French parrots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or not parrots. They're like the white birds, cockatoo. Or Cock-a-toos. I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> they all have French names. Um, so Garbo, like was not going to stop being a lesbian just because she broke up with Fifi, much to the studio's chagrin. She can get whatever she wants. Yeah, it's Greta Garbo. Yeah, she's not, yeah. Her next romance was with Mercedes D'Acosta, playwright and author. Now, you might remember Mercedes D'Acosta from our episode on Ala Nazimova. Right. Because this woman fucked Everyone. Wow. She fucked Ala. She fucked Marlena Dietrich. She fucked Tallulah Bankhead. <gasps> she fucked Joan Crawford. She was the Wilmer Valderrama of old Hollywood lesbians. She got every hot lesbian no, of she, the day. She wasn't even that hot, but she got all of them. Wow. She, but just like Wilmer. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she's, not the, she's not that hot. She's the Wilmer Valderrama of her day. Yeah. Where you can't figure out, like, what is it about this what girl? What does she got? What does she have that we don't know about? See, I'll I buy it more with her than Wilmer, though. Yeah, <laughs> like that you like because a woman, you know, she must know what she's doing. She must know what she's doing. Yeah, so she just like had it. She had all these women. So Mercedes and Greta Garbo, they were making appearances themselves in the press because they're like, oh, Garbo's new best friend, right. And in December of 1931, the San Francisco Examiner reported that the pair were spotted together at Tam O'Shanter's <gasps> in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. How old is this restaurant, Desi? I mean, old it's, enough for that. It's, it's at least from the 30s. I'm so excited. I've been there now. What did they order? They must have got some rare beef. <laughs> <laughs> I but they did get rare beef yeah. and Clams Casino. Yeah, it's such a fun... We got to go. I love it. I really want to go. They were described as great friends. Two weeks later, the same paper said of Garbo and Acosta, quote, the two girls are inseparable companions. Yeah, besties. While the Garbo-D'Acosta relationship continued for years, 
Tallulah Bankhead became infatuated with Garbo and pursued her relentlessly. Ooh. MGM was like, absolutely not. We're not yeah. letting, like, we'll, we'll let Garbo scissor all over town, but we're not letting Tallulah Bankhead we get her claws in. You can't get two rumored lesbians hanging out. <laughs> there, there's only so much lying you could do. <laughs> um, so <laughs> when Will Hayes released his Doom book, Right before the Hayes Code right. came into effect, the list of actors, these were the list of actors deemed too immoral to book, and Tallulah Bankhead was put in the number one spot. What an honor. She, I know we talked about this in our Tallulah Bankhead episode that we did years and years ago. It might even just be a Patreon I episode. think it's a Patreon, but we may have posted it on Maine. It's a we short need, episode. We need to do like a full length episode. Yeah, this is just a short episode on her with some of her funnier stories, I think. I think we just even did her quotes. It's a very short episode. It's like but 15 good. minutes. Yeah. We, it's a classic. We definitely need a, a good in-depth uh, episode on her for sure. Yeah. I love, I love her. I love her so much. But by 1934, the Hayes Code came into effect and this was a really dark time. Yes. So Will Hayes was the then president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, and he basically decided what was acceptable to be shown on screen. Hayes was a very conservative Christian man, and he didn't want any more naughtiness on film. No. Made him too horny. We discussed this in one episode. I mean, probably a few episodes, but I, I definitely remember, I think it was something I did. I can't remember what, where we learned a little bit more about it because it's yes. crazy how it all started yeah. and how this man just kind of got this power. No, he's like not even like into movies. No. He doesn't even care. He just got this job. Yeah. I think something happened that set everything off. There was also like a Catholic committee. Yes. Like, a, like an yes. official Catholic thing that they stepped in. And it's kind of wild that that all started just the rating system to begin with, which is also very corrupt. Right. So Tallulah Bankhead was not afraid of Will Hayes. She called him a little prick, among Mm. other things. Oh, I bet. Anyway, this is a good place to take a break. We'll be right back. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals, and during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th, Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. So just to wrap up the Garbo Mercedes Diacosta relationship louis v mayer was panicked after he kept seeing stories about them right hanging out together in the press not only that but he didn't like that mercedes diacosta appeared to be acting like greta garbo's manager because she was like helping her make career advice oh like giving her career advice and helping her make career decisions and obviously mgm didn't like that so they made a really bold choice MGM decided to hire Mercedes to write something for Garbo. Ooh. And Mercedes Diacosta was like, okay, I want her to play a man in her next movie, and I want her to be in drag. Ooh. And Irving Thalberg reportedly said, are you out of your fucking mind? You got him riled up. You even got Thalberg riled yeah. up. Even he knew that was a bridge too far. Yeah, come like, on. We're trying to dispel the lesbian rumors. Right. We're not putting her in drag. No. She can wear her trousers. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Another messy relationship MGM had to contend with was that of Clark Gable and Joan Crawford. In 1931, Gable had recently signed with MGM, and he was a fast-rising star. He had climbed his way to success by fucking a series of women who would bolster his career. When Gable was 23, he married his 40-year-old acting coach and manager, Josephine Dillon. Gable, a well-known womanizer, hit on one of their wedding guests <gasps> at their wedding. Wow. Clark Gable was brazen. And he kind of sounds like a prick, to be honest. And he's not that hot to me. Okay, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I don't get it. I was like looking at pictures of him today. I'm like, he's really like, he's doing a lot when he doesn't, isn't like hot enough to me. And he's got like really big ears. Well, that was, MGM did have a problem with that. That's like his famous character. Like, you know, that place, like, what is it? Jason's? Yeah. Where they have the characters of all the celebrities on the wall. Yeah. And And his was really big ears. No, I always never liked getting those like things on like the boardwalk where you get like a carriage (laughs) done because God forbid they're like, I'm like, my nose looks like that. <laughs> you know what? They just like take a feature that you already are self-conscious about. Oh, they're 
They should be put in prison. Those <laughs> I agree. Because it's so mean. They're mean to like the most beautiful people too. No, it doesn't matter. It's not like a personal thing. They'll just find something, even when it's not accurate. No. And make it, do you know what I mean? Like they're, they, they exaggerate a little too much. No, it's so crazy. Um, but that is correct. But no, I, I have never gotten his appeal. Even as an actor, I'm not not like a fan of his, really. He was like friends with John Wayne. He's just like a certain type of actor that was very popular that I just don't care for. Yeah. You know? We're not Gable heads. No, I do not stan him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't stan Clark. (laughs) So he was a womanizer and... During the marriage, he toured with a theater company and slept with actress and playwright Jane Cowell the entire time. Now, he did this because she helped him get more roles. Wow. Following the tour, he started sleeping with another older woman, 43-year-old actress Pauline Frederick. Pauline was established and had money, and she showered Gable with lavish gifts during their two-year affair. She even paid to have his teeth fixed. Damn. I saw a picture of him before his teeth were fixed. Whoa. Looked like a radically different man. Damn. Meanwhile, Clark Gable's wife, Josephine, is just like hanging around. Yeah. Her husband's fucking everything. He's on tour. He's He's busy. He's he's really (laughs) busy. He's not even fucking for the fun of it. He's fucking for the career of it. No, it's a full-time job. This is how he got famous. I mean, good for him. He did. <laughs> he worked around those teeth. He got some teeth. <laughs> he needed to get some stuff done. He was a hustler. Yeah. By 1928, he had a few bit parts and films under his belt, but he was still doing theater. Gable was hired at the Laskin Brothers Stock Company in Houston, where he became their most popular actor. One of his many fans was 45-year-old wealthy divorcee Maria Langham. Damn, these old bitches are <laughs> getting up on him. That's who likes Clark They're like, Gable. we got some money. My husband died. I'm going to get a young piece. <laughs> I love these old old women doing this. These old broads are fucking this up-and-coming young actor. I mean, first of all, they're like in their 40s, but that was no. like ancient back then. <laughs> that was like their golden years. Oh, totally. Um, So despite the fact that Clark Gable had both a wife and a wealthy girlfriend, that didn't stop him from having additional side chicks. He needed to to really move up. (laughs) He needed more. No, it's like he saw an opportunity like, oh, this woman has even more money. I got to fuck this lady. I mean, he could have been like one of those dudes that kills all these women. We've talked about those guys. That we've, yeah, we've done shows. We've done shows about guys like that. Luckily, he was just trying to be an actor. Yeah. So he, he, like, anywhere that this guy saw an opportunity to further his career, he took it and he fucked it. To be honest, I'm way more interested in him now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, do we need to do a Clark Gable episode? Because this is really only scratching the surface. I think this is interesting because I had no idea. It is. I mean, we hear this all the time about, like, women. It's such a cliche of women sleeping sleeping their way to the top. That's, like, such a trope. But it's always so interesting when you hear of a man doing it. Yeah. Especially one as famous as Clark Gable. And he's not even doing it 
with like big time Hollywood stars she had. No, he's she's just, just doing it with women on the tour. <laughs> like, like, no, this lady, Maria Langham, she's like from Texas. That's she, what's interesting. She just had a little bit of money. Yeah. And he's like, well, that'll help me. You know, all my meals will be paid for for the rest of the tour. Yeah, he's, or whatever. Think, he's thinking short term. He's short term <laughs> fucking. He's yeah. not like I'm gonna fuck. Yeah, uh, Louis B. Mayer's wife. Yes. I'm starting from the bottom. No, he's working his way up. Um, he did eventually separate from his wife Josephine in 1929, and then he got married to Maria Langham, the Texas woman, the following oh. year. Langham personally financed his next theater production. Like she produced this play for him. That's marriage material. That's yeah. why he married her. That she had play producing money. She had play producing yeah. money and Gable was the star. It was called The Last Mile. But this wasn't it wasn't just women that Clark Gable got involved with. In 1925, he had a brief sexual relationship with Billy Haynes. Ooh. He saw that Billy Haynes was like a popular film actor. Right. And so they were reportedly seen having sex at a party at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Whoa. That's also an advanced move. That is super advanced. Because how many time how many gay encounters has Clark Gable had? He seems very heterosexual to me. And then to do it publicly? Yeah. He's brazen. That's hot. So when See, he- he's getting hotter to me. <laughs> <laughs> so when MGM signed Gable in 1931, they knew that he would fuck just about anyone to get ahead. Like, everyone knew. This was, like, common knowledge now in the film industry. Like, oh, this guy's a big slut. I love it. See, he had some swag that I'm missing when I'm watching him. You know what I mean? Like, no, now I'm seeing it. He's, like, so stiff to me. I know, but it's like he has this side where I'm like, okay, that's why he got famous. Because like I said last episode, people are attracted to slut energy. <laughs> they want to be around it. They want to be around it. It's fun. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, so Myrna Loy said this of Clark Gable. He was always on the make at the studio after everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and an unnamed colleague of Gable called him, quote, the least selective love. Lover in the hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> He'll screw anything. I love it. <laughs> It'll make you feel special. He'll make you feel so special and he'll screw anything. Oh my God, that's a skill. When Clark Gable and Joan Crawford began having an affair, MGM was like, oh shit. That's, that's like a fucking atomic bomb going off. <laughs> yeah. These are two of the biggest stars at MGM at the time. And so the studio's like, we got to keep an eye on this. And also, this affair began while he was still married to Maria Langham. I mean. And while Crawford was still married to Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, they, well, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. didn't give a shit, but. I meant Joan and <laughs> Clark don't oh, care. <laughs> oh, they really don't care. Yeah. Um. Roger St. John, the writer, she said that this was, quote, the affair that almost burned Hollywood down. Ooh. When Maria Langham, well, Maria Langham was, like, furious. Yeah. She was mad about this affair. She's like, hey, I can't compete with Joan Crawford. Yeah. So she marched over 
to Howard Strickling and revealed that she wasn't even legally married to Clark Gable because his divorce with Josephine hadn't even been finalized. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to go to the press with this juicy information. If you, Howard Strickling and MGM, don't personally force Clark Gable to marry me. Wait, so they're not married yet? They're not even... Oh, officially. They're not legally married. Got it. Because he's still technically married to his first wife. So she wants them to get the divorce done and then have Clark marry her again, legally. For real, this yeah. time. I don't know about it. <laughs> I mean, that's very unromantic if you have to have the your studio... Yeah. The studio force someone to marry you. It can't feel good. It can't feel good because the whole time you're walking, like MGM made him do this. Yeah. You can't. This isn't real love. And you know, for Clark, he's like, well, technically we're not married. Like, he liked that little loophole. (laughs) (laughs) He probably said that to Joan. He's like, come on. We all know. Technically, I'm cheating on Louise. (laughs) (laughs) Josephine. Oh, Josephine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he's like, and Dougie, uh, you know, I know who Dougie's screwing. He's getting spanked. I bet he calls him Dougie. Doogie. Doogie Doogie Fairbanks Jr. Um, I'm going to write that show. (laughs) That's the one I want to see. Doogie Fairbanks Jr. is Doogie Hauser if it was set in the 1920s. In, In the world of acting. He's the youngest producer on the lot. Oh my god! Yeah, he's the youngest. <laughs> he's, the he's boy. boy wonder. He's the boy wonder producer, and he, um, yeah, but he's also an asshole, just like Louis B. Mayer. Yeah, but he's like twelve. Oh my god, that's so good. Don't copyright. Uh, this is me and Desi's idea. Don't yeah. take it. Do- yeah, please, Doogie Fairbanks Jr. <laughs> <laughs> we could pitch it. <laughs> but we the, imagine going into a pitch meeting with that. The, <laughs> the, trust me, trust me. It's, it doesn't sound like anyone's going to be interested, but they will. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, <laughs> Clark Gable and Joan Crawford are having sex and having an affair, and Maria Langham is throwing a big temper tantrum about that her husband, her fake husband's cheating on her, and so the studio cared more about like the negative publicity with their stars. So they agreed. They're like, all right, we'll make Clark Gable get a divorce. And that June, after his divorce from Josephine Dillon was finalized, he legally married Maria Langham at a Hollywood courthouse. So he actually did marry this woman. I mean, because he doesn't give a shit. He's married. It doesn't mean anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> Let's true. get off his back. Then the studio said, Well, and you guys need to move out of your like little, you know, separate little duplex apartment you guys share together. Oh. And you need to move into an actual house together. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're gonna move there. And at the same time, Joan Crawford became pregnant. Uh-oh. Now, whether it was Clark Gable's is unknown, but MGM did pay for her abortion. Joan Crawford and Clark Gable continued the affair, but Clark Gable's ex, Josephine, like the OG wife, yeah. she wasn't going to leave this mess without herself getting a little something. Ooh, I love it. So she went to MGM. She's like, hey, 
Uh, you need to pay me for your silence. I'm faint. She- I would love to work in this office. <laughs> Every day, all these people coming in. It's the dream job the dream- for a tea lover. <laughs> You're just like, again? The other wife's here now. Like, it must be so good. Like, the secretary. Oh, my God. It's incredible. She's losing it. So, MGM agreed. They made Clark Gable pay her $200 of his monthly salary for the rest of his contract. Whoa. That's a lot of money in 1931. Also for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think she earned it, though. I do, too. Because she put up with a lot while he was fucking everyone on tour. And she was like his OG acting coach. She liked him before he was famous. She liked him when he had the weird teeth. Yeah. Is she the one who fixed his teeth or no? The Texas woman did. The Texas. No. Different woman. Oh, God. It was a total... Pauline, a woman in between. They never got married. Okay. So she loved him with his bad teeth. Yeah. She didn't even pressure him to fix his teeth. She loved him the way he was. Um, But... Crawford and Gable were not always subtle. In fact, they got caught groping each other at the Coconut Grove. Mm. More like the Gropinut Grove. <laughs> the Gropinut Grove. <laughs> I like that they weren't subtle. It's like, really? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> they were not. They literally hid behind a band, the bandstand. Oh, my God. Thinking that they wouldn't get caught. That's so horny. I mean, uh, he fucking Billy Haynes at a hotel. He's definitely groping Joan Crawford at the Coconut Grove. Like, yeah, that's happening. It's happening. This guy's horny as hell. I can't believe it. He's so horny. Damn. When Louis B. Mayer found out about this incident, he was furious, and he called both of them into his office for a meeting. <sighs> After he jerked off. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, you guys are not allowed to hang out anymore and you're not making any more movies together. And Joan was like, how dare you? She was fucking livid. She how dared him. But (laughs) but Louis V. Mayer was like, I will fire both of you. And that shut her up. Then Louis B. Mayer made Joan Crawford go on a second honeymoon with Douglas Fairbanks Jr. And it was like a highly publicized event. Yeah. That sucks. Where all the papers were like, Joan Crawford and Douglas Fairbank Jr. are heading off on a six-week vacation in Europe. Yeah. And she's miserable. She's just horny for Clark Gable the whole time. Imagine. That's so mean. She got grounded. The Los Angeles Times reported on their trip in 1932. Joan Crawford and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. are on another honeymoon trip. Seems like it's about the third or fourth. It's wonderful when people can just keep up that honeymoon air after being married for three years. Oh, they're just so in love. This is shady. Yeah. This is a shady blurb from the LA Times. Yeah. Wow, another honeymoon? They're not on the payroll yet. The MGM payroll. (laughs) No. Mayer then made Clark Gable and Maria do their own press tour. They didn't get to go to Europe, though. They're not honeymooning. He just made them travel around the country with her three kids. That's not romantic. <laughs> like probably by I train. I didn't know she had kids. Yeah, she had three kids. Oh, damn. Oh, sorry. Um, it was like, yeah, it was not fun. But Clark Gable continued to fuck around. Even on the honeymoon. They're like honeymoon USA road trip. She's like with the kids. And he's like, I'll be right back, sweetheart. <laughs> 
find some old broad at the diner. Yeah. Just banger. Yeah. The parking lot. <laughs> you could do it. Um, he then began an affair with Marion Davies. Oh. This is like the first younger woman. Another horny girl. But she's very horny. She's so horny. You know what? I bet they bonded over fucking old people. Yeah. She's like, me too. Because her boyfriend at the time was her long-term partner, William Randolph Hearst. And he's the oldest ever. <laughs> he's super old. No, he's like 60 at this point. But he looks like 80, like 100. No, he was he's someone hideous. who's always looked 100. <laughs> he's a hideous man. He's a beast. Yeah. Um, so they start fucking and they actually did a movie together called Polly at the Circus. And the reason that Clark Gable was cast in Polly at the Circus is because it was such a shitty movie that like Mayer just needed some way to punish him. So he's like, I'm casting you in Polly at the Circus. Yeah. And then he was like, oh yeah, well I'm going to fuck Marion Davies he on set. He didn't care. <laughs> More access to that pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Strickling caught on to his affair with Marion Davies really quickly, as did Marion's long-term boyfriend, William Randolph Hearst. But Hearst did not really care. He, like, couldn't have sex anymore. No. They kind of give up when they couldn't get boners. They're like, fine. Yeah, this is before Viagra. Yeah. So he he let her have some D. He was over it. But MGM obviously cared. And William Randolph Hearst did help Clark Gable get more money during his contract renewal. That's nice. Probably he's like, you were so kind to my girlfriend. <laughs> he put a nice smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is where we will leave off this week. Aw. I know. I got more stories coming. Okay. We got the fight. I'm like so excited about Clark Gable now. We got to do an episode on him. I need more. I need to know his entire love life. I need to know like everything about him. And I never felt that way before. Why was he always so boring before to me? Because I didn't know anything about him. I just knew he was married to Carol Lombard and like devastated after she died. Yes. So she, she must have a diamond level pussy if she tied him down. I mean, he probably cheated on her. But he was probably the most... <laughs> He, he probably loved he, her. He probably cheated the least on her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's sad. That's so sad. That's why I cheated the least on her. She was the love of my life. <laughs> no, that's all I really knew about him. And I knew that he like died on the set of Giant. Yeah. With Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know much about him. I don't either. But I, he's just in movies I don't typically like. I think I just always prejudged him because I'm like, mm, he's kind of boring. Right, because he's just, I just, I don't watch movies that he was in. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I've seen like Gone with the Wind, I've seen Giant, but I don't really know any of his other, other movies. Um, so, and it's not like I love those movies. Maybe he just wasn't flamboyant enough for me. He is very straight. He's just like very butch. Uh, yeah, he's like very, he takes a lot of masculine roles, like standard sort of like, Whatever. I need someone with like a little more flamboyant. But it seems like purse in his real life, he was a little bit much. A He'd lot fuck much. anyone. But that sounds like a, he must have been a fun person. Maybe he was very serious about the fucking. But if that many women are fucking you and guys too, 
You gotta have something. I wonder if he fucked any other guys other than Billy Haynes. Because he wasn't that hot. There must have been a personality thing happening. And Billy Haynes was hot. Billy Haynes was hot, and I feel like Billy Haynes liked having fun. So Clark yeah. Gable must have been fun. Right. Because he wasn't like hot. Like Billy Haynes could get hotter for sure. That must have been a story he told for years at parties. Like, can you believe I fucked Clark Gable at the Beverly Wilshire during like Bruce's party? Yeah. Or whatever. No. I need to know. I would love to hear Billy Haynes' version of what happened. But I didn't even know he had sex with Billy Haynes or whatever. Allegedly. Allegedly. People saw him. Many people are saying. I believe what I want to believe. <laughs> if it's good enough, I want to believe it, was, it. It was apparently various sexual positions. I've I've actually heard I've heard that about Clark Gable that he was bisexual, but almost every old Hollywood star has rumors that they're bisexual or gay or yeah. have had affairs. So that's believable too. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, that there were a lot of queer actors that were like closeted or open. This is also makes me sad because this is back in the day when Los Angeles had like actual like lesbian bars and stuff. And we just don't have that anymore. I would love to have gone to some of those old lesbian actor parties, you know, back in the day. They sound fucking fun. I know. I'd be scared. You'd be scared. It going like hang out with Marlena Dietrich. She'd try and, and turn Greta you. Garbo. She'd They're like, like intense energy. She, they'd be like, hey, <laughs> they'd be like, hello, little redhead. <laughs> they'd make some like strawberry comments to you. They're just an intimidating energy. They're so intimidating. Do you know what I mean? It's not necessarily because they're lesbians, but, no, but they're just very adds, hot. They're hot. They're very but they're hot. also very intense. Yeah. Like they're famously intense. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah, they wouldn't like my little jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You could get on with Tallulah. Tallulah, I could probably get away with, but you'd have to live in fear. She was going to drag your ass if you got right, out of line. One false move. I don't want her being mean to me. You don't want to be on Tallulah Bankhead's bad side. No, I'm pretty good about not getting on bad sides. Yeah, me neither. I'd be quiet. I wouldn't be. An, I wouldn't make a fool of myself. Yeah. I just sit there and smoke my cigar. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for part three. Me too. I love an old Hollywood story. Me too. We got got some more down the pike. We got a lot coming. We got some good ones coming. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next week, but we'll be back very soon for the mini episode. Bye. Bye.